Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You are now listening to the War Report Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the College Loop Podcast, episode 168 of the College Loop Podcast. I'm Dylan Lark, I boy Tank on Twitter. I'm joined by Mr. Harrison Tar. Tar, how you doing, buddy? Hey, man, I'm doing well. I'm uh, making sure that my audio input's correct, and it is. I had to just double check that. I had a little nerves for a second there. Yeah, no, doing well. I'm glad to be back on the pod. Um, just got back from work. Happy Tuesday to all those who celebrate. For those of you guys listening back at home, thank you guys for your continual love and support. Thanks for hanging out with us in the College Loop on this Tuesday afternoon. We're going to jump into some Auburn football, and then we're going to roll into the sports that are actually happening right now, but um, are going to, are going to lead with a little conversation that Dylan and I started up right before the show and decided we wanted to bring it on to here. So Dylan, I'll let you open up the floor. Yeah. So with spring football coming up very, very soon, and also the NFL draft coming up in a couple of months as well, I would say first time in a while that NFL drafts is not on or, or on my birthday uh, for any of the days. So I'll be able to, I'll, <laughs> I'll be able to enjoy my birthday for once. Uh, but Looking at this team, looking at next year's NFL draft, you know, you never start the draft talks too early. Uh, which Auburn player on this current team can boost their draft stock even higher going into the 2025 NFL draft? Yes, uh, by this current team, just to refresh everybody, I know that that can be kind of hairy since the draft class has not actually been solidified yet for the 2023-2024 season. We're talking about 2024-2025. For me, it's an easy answer, Dylan, and, and we kind of brought this up right beforehand. It is Jarquez Hunter. And and I say that because this is a young man that really could have used the couple of games he had to sit out at the beginning of, of 2023-24 because he was a slow starter. It took a second for Jarquez to get it back into the form that we all know that Quez is capable of doing. I think that if anything, uh, matter of fact, not think, I know for a fact, if anything, Jarquez hurt his draft stock uh, in 2023, just one, missing games, two, missing rhythm, and then there was questions surrounding anything else that you want to take a stab at, whatever may have you. But this young man has all the talent in the world, and he's going to be the future back for for the Tigers again in 2024, 2025, and a host of, of, of backs that I think can get the job done, whether that be him, whether that be Jeremiah Cobb, Brian Batie, and obviously Damari Alston. This is going to be a group that's going to have to share touches, but Jarquez needs to establish quickly, uh, early, and often that he's going to be the featured back if he wants to find himself somewhere on Mel Kuyper's big board uh, coming up in the 2024-2025 uh, NFL draft. Rather, I think that a lot of this is rebuild for him, Dylan. Uh, I mean, like I mentioned before, uh, it was almost like you'd built up this metaphorical Lego house and, and kind of just tripped over and knocked into it uh, and, and knocked it over. Um, and and look, that happens. It, it's unfortunate when it happens to guys, especially when Quez got a little banged up his sophomore year and then, you know, the unfortunate missing of a couple of games his junior year that I, I think truthfully, when well, we know for a fact, stopped him from being a thousand yard rusher because he he was in in smelling distance of, of what could have realistically been a thousand yard season, specifically if we would have played against a couple of those weaker opponents. Uh, I think that this young man really could uh, find himself in, in position to be a second or third round draft pick should he have the kind of year we think he can. Um, second or third is probably a little high. Third or fourth feels safe to me. 
but I mean, you know, if he has a tremendous year, who, who's to say uh, the, the possibilities are limitless. And I don't think that this running back class in the 2025 draft class is all that crazy. Uh, I'd have to go back and, and look at the two early big board. I, I, there are some certainly some names out there, but I, I would like to think that Jarquez could find himself in the mix. Yeah, I would say Ollie Gordon, I think, for Oklahoma State Prime might, right. be, might be the only running back that might get in those early rounds, especially with the decrease in, in running back appreciation in the NFL. But I, I do like Jarquez in that conversation because he's going into a, into a senior year where he's going to have to battle it out with Damari Austin, who I think in more games than not, Damari outplayed Jarquez, but Damari got banged up against, I think, Texas A&M. Uh, and got knocked out uh, for three, four games, and never really saw Damari take those take those reps that he had. Uh, Brian Batie, I think it'll be a guy that we can talk about a lot in this. But I just I don't know if Demar if uh, Brian Batie gets gets ahead of Jeremiah Cobb in, in this season. Uh, I just don't think it's feasible. I don't think you can keep touches away from Cobb, and and you really can't you can't take him away from Damari either. I think I think Damari's one. He's up next, and two. I, I think that he's going to be an NFL talent. Jeremiah Cobb, no exception. I think you have to sit there with Brian Batee and be like, hey, you're going to get your touches on kick returns, uh, but we're going to need you to make those smart touches. Uh, if you're if you're the back of your heels an inch from the from the back line, you know, that's uh, that's, that's just fair catch it. Let's just take a knee. Let's that's just right. do something that's not uh, running it out of that. But when I look at this answer, I, I feel like there's, uh, on the defense side of the ball, I feel like a very easy one. Uh, and I had to battle it out between who I want to pick here, but uh, I look at Keontae Scott, and I look at Eugene Asante, who I'm going to go with. And uh, Eugene was a was a happy surprise uh, of this past season, and definitely made some money if he would have left for the NFL draft this past year, but opted to stay. The let's work mentality remains. Uh, I think he's going to be a key leader to this defense, going to be a starter. Uh, I think that's without question. But you always have those questions as soon as a player opts to return instead of going to the draft or better years. There's always that sense of urgency that you have to play better than you did in the previous year, which, whether you like it or not, can harm a player's ability to play. It that sure. that lingering shadow of the NFL hurts those players that remain to stay. We saw it with a lot. Of, there's been players throughout Auburn history that have opted to stay another year and then just regressed. Uh, look, look at Jarrett Stidham's stats from That's exactly where my mind went. Eighteen. It, it's just something that always seems to happen. And it, this is not just an Auburn thing. Uh, I'm saying that because I'm just solely in the Auburn sphere, but this is a thing that happens all across the board of college football. But Eugene Asante has an opportunity to really put a name out there for himself. Uh, go from a guy who could go round three back to round two and round one. Uh, I, I can't remember the last time Auburn really had a linebacker who was able to get drafted that high. I feel like the last time Auburn had a linebacker get drafted was Deshaun Davis. In the it would have to have been Deshaun Davis in the fourth. I think fourth round of the Bengals. Maybe in fifth. Uh, but before that, I mean, Josh Bynes was a late round pick. Uh, I mean, you could go real, real further than the Cam Newton days for me to start naming a bunch of linebackers who did get drafted uh, earlier on. But it's not happened in a hot minute. I think you just thought they can do that. He just has to keep playing at the level he was. Uh, avoid those injuries. Auburn picked up some linebackers in the portal and in, in the recruiting class, so you have some depth. Uh, Wesley Steiner is still there, so you have depth in other positions. Uh, you you gotta if you're Eugene Sante, you have to look at this year as this has to be my best year yet. And I definitely think with with how he plays, with with his mentality, with his leadership skills, Eugene Sante could be the highest drafted player for Auburn football in 2025. 
But, Sorry, I had, had a little sneeze there. Thank you, sir. Yeah, to your point there, and I'm not going to spend too much time harping on this, but I want to remind everybody, uh, you know, expectations for returners that are that are elite, elite level returners, which Eugene Asante is in that category, in my opinion, and I think you would agree. Uh, it, they can't be too lofty. It's not fair. I, I say I say that because let's not forget that Jameis Winston's second campaign at Florida State was really not that impressive. Uh, I mean, and and, and he wound up and he's, he was a damn Heisman winner. Uh, Manziel beyond his freshman year, he was he was a video game in moments, but he wasn't the guy that he was his freshman year. I mean, the quarterbacks are the, are the blaring example because they get the most notoriety, right? But but it's not an uncommon factor to see guys with a lot of talent. What do you what are you giving that face for? Jameis made it to the CFP and Johnny Manziel was in the Heisman race. <laughs> yeah, but Jameis also. Uh, I won't go down this road. That Florida State team, I think we can both agree, was not as good as they looked like they were on paper. Um, and oh, sure. and Jameis. Jameis didn't do the special things in year two that he did in year one. He was very, very special. Um, or year one of big, big time Jameis. And, and that's that, kind of how my brain works there. That backwards pass against Oregon in the CFP, though, that was art, though. Yeah, it was, it was, it was something. It was, it was, <laughs> it was a one of the plays of all time. But I, I do want to remind everybody that, you know, that's unnecessary pressure is unbelievable. Um, look, look no further than you mentioned the greatest example of all of them uh, in terms of keeping it local, Jared Stidham. Uh, a young man that had all the talent in the world and really got screwed his, his second year on the planes in terms of, his offensive line just depleted and decided not to not to help him out. Uh, so yeah, don't 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 want to set the bar too high, but I think that Eugene Asante can certainly jump himself up there and be a a first, second, third, second and third round guy. I feel really good about. Has a hell of a year. I mean, the first round's not off the table, folks. It's way really really early. You got a at least twelve games of ball to play, uh, and you got a lot of film to put down. Um, so and he'll and he'll he'll do well at pro day in the combine. Oh, for sure. Is there a guy that we're not talking about right now that we could be talking about later on as a yeah, guy to look out for? Absolutely. Uh, Rivaldo Fairweather. Uh, I, I'm, I'm keeping on the offensive side of the ball, but that guy's an NFL tight end. Uh, he just needs some help. And and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm trying to avoid the Peyton Thorne conversation, but the quarterback conversation, they, his quarterback's got to help. Uh, he's got the skill set and the tools. The fact that he decided to return this year, not overly surprising because I don't know that his stock was all that high, but that young man could really jump up some boards uh, after, after this year if – Auburn is able to use him effectively, which when, when you put the ball in the hands of Revolta Fairweather, special stuff happens. I, I think he's got all all the talent in the world. It's about whether or not the Hugh Freeze camp can scheme around him and help him out in that regard and really use him as the weapon that he is. Uh, if this guy could go grab six or seven tutties this year, that'd be amazing, first off. Um, but like four or five touchdowns for sure, uh, you're in really good shape. If he puts up some kind of ridiculous numbers, he could skyrocket because I think that NFL teams are going to salivate over his frame, over his athleticism, and what he brings to the table, not just in the in the game, but pass blocking and run blocking. Yeah, I, I would also add in Jalen McLeod yep. as well as the guy we don't really talk about that much. Uh, just what he did on the back end of the season, uh, dealing with injuries uh, and just able to stand out and be Auburn's best pass rusher through the last half of the year. Uh, I honestly think that with the staff that uh, Hugh Freeze put together for this season, we could see the best of Jalen McLeod we've seen yet. Agreed. It's on a room for that young man to grow, and we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. Long time between now and then, but uh, it'd be really fun if we were talking about six or seven of these guys uh, come this time next year uh, about where they could be you know, just a month from now or a month and a half from now, rather. Um, in the 2025 NFL draft, be really, really cool. Instead of the only, instead of only having like I think three this year that are draftable, <laughs> that are draftable, like at all. Um, yeah, I agree, and I think only two of them guaranteed um, guaranteed spots. Um, I, I, we'll, we'll see. I, I don't know. Uh, it's it, every time I get really high on a guy, they uh, they disappoint me in the in the 
and in the draft boards and they and they tend to slide so i won't I'll, I'll keep myself reserved until it's time to start mixing them and then we'll we'll pick that back up once coach Saban pops on the screen and starts talking about recruiting we'll have to chime in our own our own two bit two two cents or not recruiting but scouting rather you know what i meant okay before we jump over into auburn basketball and the state of the union address if you will um which narrator you're probably if you love auburn basketball you're not going to have fun in this next segment uh, but buckle up, we're going to talk about how Auburn can focus on using this bye week before they head to the Barking Town um, to take on the uh, team in red and black from Athens, Georgia. Uh, before we do so, I want to remind everybody to make sure to hit like, subscribe, and ring the bell right here on the College Loop YouTube channel. Give us five stars on the streaming platforms and thumbs up. Share the show with a, with friend, a friend. Excuse me. What's a friend? friend hello and share the show with a friend so we can continue to grow the college loop looper family you guys are the best in the world make sure if you're on the youtube stream drop a comment give us your feedback on guys you think that are draftable and have the most approved in the 2024 2025 season again the 2025 nfl draft class give us your projections for the young men that are leaving auburn this year to head to the nfl draft just in a little over a month away and tell us where you think that they land best fits for them want to hear those feed that feedback from you guys and as always Everything we're about to talk about, whether that be basketball, women's basketball, baseball, or softball beyond, I want to hear your feedback on that as well. If you want to continue to support the show, you can head over to thewarreport.com and pick up your very own College Loop Podcast, War Report Podcast Network, co-branded Feel and Loopy t-shirt. Comes in five different colorways, most comfortable shirt you'll ever own, $25 only available at thewarreport.com. That link is in the description, so you can just click on it. You don't have to type in the search bar. Make sure to go pick up your very own Feel and Loopy t-shirt. Once you pick up your own shirt, head over to your favorite social media platform, tag us in it, and a selfie of you wearing your Feel and Loopy t-shirt and use hashtag Feel and Loopy. That's feeling without the G. Hashtag Feel and Loopy, feeling without the G. $25, most comfortable shirt you'll ever own. 10 out of 10, Dylan Larks recommend it. Thank you guys so much for your continual love and support. You guys are the reason for the season and are the reason that we are able to talk about Auburn athletics year-round. Cannot say how much we appreciate it. Dylan, Auburn basketball is in a rough spot. Um, let's, just, let's just call a spade a spade. That's pretty good, nicely. Um, nine and four in the conference. Got a week off uh, before UGA and, and damn, if you ever needed one, now's the time. Uh, you're you're going to be down Jalen Williams on Saturday. And, and there's going to be a lot of moving parts. Before we really, we're not going to really break down the Georgia pre, uh, the Georgia matchup on this this show. We'll do that on the Thursday show since it just makes more chronological sense timeline wise. Let's talk about how Auburn can capitalize on this week and give us two or three things. I, I came up with three. Dylan, if you want to come up with two or three, whatever you want to do, uh, things that they can do this week to really, really capitalize on this time away. And especially, you're going to have to change the rotation. Minutes are going to slide. Uh, how do they get ready to try to make? a respectable record out of the remaining remainder of this SEC slate because uh, every game just got exponentially harder. Yeah, that's uh that's again putting it very nicely. Um I'm looking at I'm looking at two dudes right now that I'm going to have to look at and say hey, Jay Will's not going to be there. We need reliable scorers. Chad Becker Mazzara, Chaney Johnson, Chris Moore is going to be in that rotation. I, I don't even know. Darren Scott. I, I don't know who else you throw Leo in. Berman. Leo Berman. You, you got to put someone in those three to four roles to make up for your loss of production you're going to have with Jay Wool out. Uh, and it's without question that outside of Chad Baker Mazzara, you don't really have a reliable scoring forward. I mean, Chenny Johnson has been on the up and up, and I'm glad to see it finally, finally pan out. But there have been some games where even in the, recently that Ch- Chenny Johnson has kind of just not been a factor offensively defensively he's still been a dog but just not been putting up very many points and i mean what jay will is putting up 20 points in three four games this year even broke one of his records uh in the season i think against alabama was it against Al- no was it against alabama. Alabama. 
you got I'm looking at those two guys. I'm like, y'all got it's time to step up. It's time for the rotations to change. It's time for Chad Baker, Mazar, and Chaney Johnson to take over those three to four roles. And I'm sorry, it might be time because it's getting dangerous hours right now to give up on the Chris Moore, Leor Berman experiments that lead to more lead more to, to more harm than good. Uh, Unfortunately, Dylan, I'm going to take that point and then you kind of overlap with me on one and that's fine because I agree. I, I wrote down uh, figuring out minutes and roles at the four with Jay Will gone, the three, four, whatever the forward position situation you want to talk about may be. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of counter you here. I don't know that you have that luxury anymore. Uh, I think you're going to have to figure out how, Leor Berman and how Chris Moore fit into this rotation. Uh, I think certainly that means more minutes for Cheney Johnson in the absence of Jalen Williams. It means he's, he needs to be on the floor a lot more with Janai Broom, uh, whether that be in, in game, but also certainly in practice, um, because these rotations are going to look a hell of a lot different. You're going to have to have guys that can facilitate and, and, and make sure that they body and back people down, down low. That, that transitions over into my next point. Uh, I, I mentioned shot selection. Maybe I mean just don't shoot. Maybe that's what I'm going for. It's not that I don't think this team's capable, and I certainly want Denver Jones to keep putting up shots. It's not what I want want to say. And, and absolutely, if Chad Baker Mazzara has a shot from the, from the elbow, from the mid-range, he's just got a smooth stroke. There's no reason for him to not take those. But at the same time, Auburn's got to get back to doing what they're good at, and guys, it's not shooting the three ball. I'm sorry. I, I know it's fun, and they count for an extra point, uh, and it looks really cool when you drain one, but your bread and butter is feeding the paint. You don't, you cannot live and die by the three teams like that don't win championships. And and right now you're fighting to keep yourself above water. Uh, you're going to be treading water for the remainder of the, of the season when you're down your second best player on your team. That means Janai Broom needs to have some 25 pointers. Uh, I mean, he needs to have some 25 point nights. Cheney Johnson needs to get into double figures and you've got to make sure to find a way that if Chris Moore's out there, and I mean, God, I love the dude and I, I appreciated his, 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 all of his efforts at Auburn, but he does not need to be putting up shots. He's got to find ways to make impacts off the ball. And, and that means going back to the film room. That's kind of what I all encompassing with my shot selection here. You don't have the luxury anymore of being able to have one of those premier rebounders. That's not a four or five. I mean, I guess Jay will played a big three, small four, but you don't have one of those true four, five guys, um, or true three, four guys that can rebound uh, behind Janai Broome. You're, you're going to need Chaney Johnson to step up in a big way, which he has done in moments this year. But you've got to make sure your possessions count. They're infinitely more valuable now than they were beforehand. Not that they weren't beforehand, which is a large part of the reason you lost to Kentucky. But you've got to get back to beating the paint. Here's the reality. If you outscore the other team in the paint, about 80% of the time you're going to win the ballgame. That's just, that's just the reality of things. Make them challenge you at the rack. Get your opponent into foul trouble. And that's got to be the name of the game going forward. I, I love a good logo three as much as anybody. Uh, it doesn't land. It doesn't hit more, more often than it does. And right now this Auburn team couldn't hit water if it fell out of a boat. So you gotta, you gotta piece that together. I mean, we just saw the duality of man in the last two games <laughs> in terms of shooting from the field. Uh, that, that kind of ties back into my, you know, my last point about shot selection. Aiden Holloway. I'm really, really excited to see what you can do as a sophomore. Stop shooting. It, it, it's it's done. Uh, I, I I respectfully uh, he is got all the talent in the world. And he has no confidence, none. Um, he's and he's not shot chasing. So when he puts up a ball, um, guards you are supposed to follow your shot. Your big men a little bit different. The, the big men got to get back, and I get that. But guards you got to follow your shot. And if I see one more possession where a guard takes the ball down the floor and doesn't move the ball and does not pass, I'm going to lose my mind. 
Uh, it's you've got to spread the floor, you've got to create spacing, and you've got to pound the ball inside. That is quite literally the only way you win now. And I'm not being dramatic because let's not forget Jalen Williams was pretty damn lights out from three this year. You are losing a lot of production there. So you've got to find creative ways. Um, Other than that, Dylan, my my two pieces were navigating simple switch defenses. You got to. And then, like I mentioned, figuring out minutes. But the switch defenses and just looking lost. What in the world? Guys, guys, you've been doing this since high school, before high school. It's 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 not that tough, and they looked like Auburn looked on on Saturday like they had never seen a switch in their entire life. Um, I parked their ass in the film room until they were able to tell me where cutters were going on play by play, like break it down play by play, and, t- and tell tell them tell them where their cutter, cutters and switch need to be, where their cutters need to be, and which guys are going to switch. Like it's it, it is actually sickening to watch Auburn get bullied in the paint when you've got, in my opinion, a first round draft pick in Janai Broom under the bucket that's absolutely capable of taking on anyone. And when, when they shut him down one time, I feel super bad for them because he's now made it his personal mission. Yeah. So that's where I'm at on this team, Dylan. I would also look at the guard position. Trey Donaldson can't, he cannot have another one point game ever again. You're, you're going to need to see that Trey Donaldson we saw against uh, South Carolina, the one we saw against Alabama. Those, those 10, like, I won't even say 10, like eight to 12 point games for Trey Donaldson would be huge because you're getting, you, you have to make up ground with more players than you, with what you're losing in Jalen Williams. You would need Chris Moore to start putting up five to six point games. You're going to need Trey Donaldson to start putting up eight to 12. You're going to need Katie Johnson, the uh, Katie Johnson could do what Katie Johnson wants to do. I guess I uh, can't really tell him what, to, what to do and what not to do, uh, but you're going to need, like Lior Berman to maybe get four, five, six points as well. Like you're going to need players who usually fit it round out the box score with zero to get the to get those points that you're missing out with with Jalen Williams. Now is the time if you're going to prove that your ten's better than their ten. It's time to to man up and and own up to what you've been claiming all year, uh, because we're about to find out. Uh, if Auburn really is, if their ten's better than their, your ten, because now it's your nine, they're nine better than your ten. Uh, we're we're going to find that out quickly. So we'll talk. We'll break down Auburn's chances against UGA on Saturday. I'll just go ahead and let you know I've got the Tigers on upset alert. Uh, I, I don't I don't love where Auburn's at right now. Uh, Georgia is a Stegman is a place where good teams go to die, and I am unfortunately reporting to you that I think Mike White's doing a, a decent job in Athens. So we'll, we'll break that one down. Breakdowns Auburn, break down Auburn's chances on the Thursday show. Let's pivot over to the women's side. And narrator, it doesn't feel a whole lot happier. Uh, Auburn collapsed against Alabama in just, in just miserable fashion on Sunday. And Dylan, I'm going to overreact. I'm really worried about this team making the tournament now. Uh, I, I, was, I felt really, really good about it. But then you look, coming down the stretch – LSU, who you're not beating twice in a season, you're you're just not. Texas A&M, who you got they got the better of you in College Station. I think that you're a much better team now than you were then, but I, I just don't know. Mississippi State, which is a, a toss in my opinion, and then Florida, which uh, is on the road, and I will never believe an Auburn basketball team can win in Gainesville. So uh, I mean that, that that could be the case, but I really don't know. I think you've got. Two winnable games left on this schedule somewhere of the Texas A&M, Mississippi State, and Florida. I think you got to win both of them. You got to win two of those. Uh, and and I'm not sure about how I feel about how bad Auburn's going to get throttled in Baton Rouge because that team's playing way better basketball than they were earlier in the year, too. So 
I don't know, Dylan. I'm, I may be overreacting, but I am really worried about Auburn being a, a first four out. I, I I do think you're overreacting a little bit. I do think this team is probably going to be I, – I still believe this team will be in the, in the NCAA tournament. If not, this is an NIT championship team, if I've ever seen one. Uh, They've got to win one or two in the SEC tournament. I think they can because uh, they'll be paired – right now, as it stands, they're, what, 10th uh, in the SEC? Which would have them day two going against, I'm trying to do mental math, seven, right? Yes. Which is uh, Arkansas, who Arkan- they played against Arkansas earlier on in the year and lost by two. Sure. I, I think they can switch that around if it's not in if it's not in Fayetteville. I, I do think that Auburn can pull that pull that out. I, I think this team is still way ahead of schedule. Uh, I still think this team has a good chance to get to that tournament. I don't know how likely they are to make noise in the NCAA tournament, but I do feel like this team is weird enough to make some noise in the SEC tournament. I think they're good enough if they can get in that they can make a little bit of noise because I think this league is so good. I I, I don't have any reservations in saying I think the Southeastern Conference is probably the most talented, if not the second, they're definitely the second most talented women's basketball conference in the country. But I, you got to get there. And and, and, I, and I'm concerned about that. I mean, obviously, you win the conference tournament, takes care of itself, but nobody's beating South Carolina. I mean, that team is just unreal. Uh, you got to get uh, at least one win in the SEC tournament, in my eyes. And I think you got to win two of your last four. Uh, I think that your case is probably solidified. If you win three of your last four, you're 19 and eight, 19 and 10. Sorry. You'd be 19 and 10 going into the uh, SEC tournament. You grab one win, you're a 21 team. That's kind of just leaving it up to the committee at that point. And if you don't win two of your next four, two or three of your next four, I think you have removed yourself from the conversation. I don't know. It's going to be close. Uh, I, I think that L- that win over LSU, that Q1 is going to carry a lot of weight. And, and being able to handle teams like Kentucky, uh, like Missouri, I, I think that and, – and only dropping – only losing to South Carolina by, by – I know 22 doesn't feel like only, but like only losing by 22 and not losing by 40 like most teams. I think you've got the resume, but you've got to get the wins. Um, so I think they're fringe. If Auburn beats LSU, I mean, they're in. Like they're, they're absolutely in. If they somehow sweep LSU this year, and I will eat my words on Friday morning. But I, I don't know. I, I think it's close. Well, I think if you – in a in a weird world, if Auburn were to win all four of the games, which oh, I, you're in. You're in. Yeah, you're definitely in. But that puts you up at like top six, top seven in the SEC. Even I think even three wins gets you up to eighth in the SEC. So you you're getting a better draw. And I I think I think Neville Arena is is a good place to finish out the season with Texas A and M, Mississippi State, Mississippi State not looking very or not much better than Auburn. Texas A right. and M tied with Auburn. I think you can get those wins. And then, of course, uh, this Florida team is not good. Uh, it's not, but Auburn's lost to some crummy teams, too. I mean, I think Alabama's pretty bad. I I, I think that objectively, like, whatever, regardless of what the paper says, I don't think that Alabama team's all that good. Let's not forget, Auburn beat the ever-living ever crap out of them. I mean, 13 doesn't feel they, like a lot, but it was the game does not feel that close. It, it's kind of just the fact they had them beat for three quarters of the game. Yeah, well, that, that does, but 70, the game play, you don't get seventy five percent of a win. Yeah, I'm I'm aware of that, but I was, I was getting I was getting that. But this Auburn team is really good, and if they could just put together four quarters, all four of them, of good basketball. 
this team can do some real damage. This team can surprise some folks who aren't paying attention because I mean Auburn's not been in the national spotlight since what? Since they beat L- since they beat LSU in what December, January, early January. Early January. It, this is a team that no one's really talking about outside of the fact that it's a probably one of the most de- one of the best defensive teams in the SEC uh, and one of the top ones in the country. If they can give four quarters of consistently good offense or consistently like consistent offense in general, it'd be a lot easier to tell where this team is going to end up. Because I, I will I will die on the hill that if this team is first four out, they're going to be the champion of the NIT. That is yeah, that is I, I will I, die on the hill. I think they they wind up in that conversation for sure. I I I, I don't know. I'm 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 cautiously optimistic, but. At the same time, uh, I don't know, man. It's uh, it's gonna be tough. It's it's gonna be you're gonna have to really put up some, probably win a game you're not supposed to between now and then, and and it, you're gonna need help too. So I, I don't know. All this to say, I, they're very much in the mix. I don't think they're in at the moment, but they can be. I think they were in, and then Saturday Sunday happened, and then they took themselves out. I'm trying to think of being an Auburn fan of any sport where you're not cautiously optimistic about anything. Yeah, that's not the truth. Well, speaking of, let's talk about Auburn baseball. <laughs> uh, speaking of being ca- cautiously optimistic, first off, Carson Myers, co-SEC Pitcher of the Week. I'm not saying I've told you so, but I told you so. Um, this guy's going to be disgusting. And he gets to take on a familiar foe <laughs> on Tuesday night. So tonight as this show is coming out as UAB is headed to Auburn, Alabama to take on the Tigers at Plainsman Park, a little in-state, known biggest rival, biggest in-state rival of the Auburn Tigers. Just so everybody knows, um, yeah, big, huge rivalry game uh, between Auburn and UAB. And this UAB team is is not bad, Dylan. I mean, they obviously kind of become a farm team, uh, as those teams in Birmingham tend to do, to pipeline uh, talent down to Auburn, uh, see Samford and Sonny Dishiara. Uh, no, need to, no need to look too far back. But UAB entering this game 2-1. Uh, they had a rough little debut, giving up 12 runs to Kennesaw State, who, by the way, has been perennially a – tournament team as of as of in recent memory not the past couple years but in recent memory it's it's not a a shambles program Uh, they gave up 12 runs losing 12-7 on Friday but then bounced back and won 12-4 and 3-0 on Saturday and Sunday and they're doing it on the mound well I mean I don't have to tell you that by other than the fact that I was saying the last two games that they did win they gave up a combined four runs one of those being a perfect shutout Uh, three of their four uh, excuse me their two starters in Daniel Collin and Barry, uh, excuse me, Blaze Barry, um, Colin Barry, uh, Colin Daniel, and then Blaze Barry. Blaze Barry, great name for a UAB player, by the way. Uh, <laughs> Barry slung five innings flat, gave up no runs, um, and then had a .059 average against him, and only had four. I gave, gave up four walks, which is going to happen. Uh, and his whip sitting right there at one flat. Colin Daniel, eight innings of no run work, uh, and and he only gave up. Four hits in the process, no runs, no earned runs, only one walk, four Ks. Opponent's batting average, 148. He got a little help from his defense, but still shoving eight innings is absolutely ridiculous. This UAB team, not going to have any of their Friday, Saturday, Sunday guys. So if you're, you're theoretically dipping into their bullpen, <coughs> excuse me, and pushing over to a guy, a, a younger guy uh, like an Isaac Warwick who, who threw – I think four innings this past past weekend uh, who could see another inning of action out of the bullpen on Tuesday that 
may need some may need some work and need some tune-up work. And Auburn's going to be the same way. We've not had a starter announced officially that I've seen, Dylan. Um, for, yeah, I was just going to that up. I, just I don't out. believe – I did not believe there's been a starter named yet. It'll be a bullpen game like a – I don't know. This is like an Armstrong opener, two-inning, three-inning experiment. This will be one of those like tinker-around games to see what your bullpen can do uh, and what, what one of your young arms can be uh, capable of. But this UAB team's nothing to sneeze at. Uh, I mean, they're already hitting about 240 on the season, which right now it, it's tough to kind of put those numbers together because you only got three games worth of sample size. But you, if you look at a team total, 240, it makes sense. I mean, one in every four guys gets on base uh, or get, gets, a, gets a hit. Uh, their on-base percentage is 357. So they draw a lot of walks as well. They've already drawn, I looked at this number earlier, 17 in three games. That is crazy. Uh, that is that is really good uh, over the course of – uh, just just three three outings and 27 innings of work, and you're drawing 17 walks. Uh, and I've already somehow been hit three times by a pitch. That's just an interesting stat for you. Uh, Auburn should have a, a good test in the midweek, don't a, a good good sharpening test to be able to figure out where they stand uh, before they head to Jacksonville for the Jacksonville Baseball Classic and take on Iowa, Wichita State, and Virginia uh, this upcoming weekend, which we will preview on the three, uh, Thursday show. I like Auburn to get the job done here, uh, but I, I think this one could get weird. It could get close. This could wind up being like a 12-10 game. Uh, where everyone's just trying to figure out where their role lies and in, in the bullpen on both sides. So uh, this, this one's going to be fun. Yeah, let's go 14 innings on a Tuesday night. Why not? It's what just... in the Auburn Georgia Tech? <laughs> what, what did we play like a combined like 26 innings last year? It it was something crazy like innings. that. Yeah, I I made the decision to watch one of them, and then after we got to 14, it then haunted me. And when the next one came around, I was like, you know what? I'll just wait till after the game. Yeah, I went to the uh, one in Atlanta where Tech uh, Tech walked Auburn off, and then I watched the other one, and both times I was like, oh, my God, I have work tomorrow, dude. Let me go to bed. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it should, be, it should be a fun one. Always fun to play these in-state schools. That's the best thing about baseball to me is getting uh, these home-and-homes with all the smaller schools and directional schools around the state. Uh, very, very fun opportunity for Auburn alum and Auburn fans around the state to be able to go travel with the team and also for these smaller schools to make some serious revenue and be able to build in their program, which, mind you, Alabama is a state of baseball. UAB, South Alabama, uh, Jacksonville State, Samford, all very, very good, often tournament programs. So I think these are super fun. Troy, right about Troy. Jacksonville State? Did you say Jacksonville State? Mm -hmm. Okay. Troy's the only one I left out. I feel like we're forgetting someone. UNA. uh, That's right. Yeah, UNA. I will say also to – because we're going to be supporting our the our picks of the year. Your your boy got pitcher of the week. I will say my boy Cooper Weiss did get the single single game program record for um, for stolen bases. Yeah, that's uh, nuts. Four, four stolen bases uh, on Sunday for Cooper Weiss. He's also batting five hundred, which we can only assume logically is going to hold. Um, Chris Stanfield, by the way, hitting 444, another guy that we said we were keeping an eye on. Um, we can only, and, and Ike Irish right there, just a measly 385. We can only assume that those numbers are all, gonna, are all gonna stay the same. I would love to know if there's been anybody. I, w- I wonder what the closest is that anyone's ever gotten to batting 500. Cause I, I, there's probably been someone crazy out there, uh, like not recently that has gotten that close, but. I would love to see how this bullpen is going to look on Tuesday because uh, I don't think you're going to – you're probably not going to see Carson Myers or uh, Jogo at all. Uh, do you want to put Alsip out there or no? No. No. I, I think this has been a nice Drew Nelson game to see if, if Drew Nelson can pick it up, uh, throw, in, throw in Greg's son out there. I 
I why can I never remember his name? Oh my god. Gregson? Yes. Ryan. Ryan. I so easy to remember and I don't know why I always forget it. Just uh, see how this young bullpen can really stand up against a a very very good American team. UAB is now. They're not CUSA anymore, right? They're American. Yeah, so be a lot of fun on that front. Are you looking up the uh mm-hmm. I'm gonna let you roll in softball while I look up the single season batting average record. <laughs> All right, and Jesus This is go into softball. Hold on, uh, no. This guy's a dog. In 227 at bats, Keith Hagman of New Mexico in 1980 hit for 551. That SOB got on base 125 times. And then the career for your minimum 200 at-bats, this is career, that last one was single season, is Ricky Weeks of Southern U in 2001 to 2003. We were alive. In which he went 465 in his career. Those dudes saw the baseball as if it was the size of a beach ball. That's unbelievable. Also, a fun little stat I've just found. Consecutive games where you hit and reach base safely is held. The record's held by Robin Ventura of Oklahoma State in 1987, in which he reached safely on a hit in 58 straight games. What the hell? Did any of these guys make the league? (laughs) I don't know how well well does – Hitting in college translate to the pros. I I gotta know how well they did because if someone get, if someone in their college career batted like four sixty, that's that's gonna be like a top top round. There are right there. six players in NCAA history that have had two grand slams in a single inning. Well, didn't the Ar- Arkansas had a softball player? yesterday or a day prior uh she completed the the home run cycle she had a two run three run then she had a solo home run then or she had a grand slam then she had a solo home run after the grand slam good lord four for four with four homers yeah that's unbelievable that's un- sorry i got i just found all this and this is unbelievable like oh, yeah, that's wild uh, but speaking of softball, Maddie Pinta and Amelia Leck have been named to the Puerto Vallarta all tourney team uh, for their outstanding performances. I think Amelia Leck had a grand slam and a couple of homers uh, while she was in Mexico. Maddie Pinta, of course, doing Maddie Pinta things as well. So, And they're going to be up for the Plainsman Invitational back this weekend. Relevant, uh, relevant Auburn stat I found that I'm done. 1987. A sophomore pitcher for the Auburn Tigers held the single season earn run uh, earn run average record. Is it Greg? That would be Greg Olson. <laughs> Shout out, friend of the program. Anyway, I, I was I do love Greg's Twitter interactions where he sees like one of those posts where it's like you see this logo. Who's the first player that comes to mind? He only he responds with himself all the time. We also like, hold the record. John Powell of Auburn also holds the record for most career hit batters with 602. <laughs> Never mind. It was strikeouts, strikeouts, strikeouts. It's like, dude's a menace. What the? I was like, how'd you not get kicked out of the league, man? Like, dude, that's a that's like an arrestable offense. That's an arrestable. Yeah, no, that 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 is aggregated assault. <laughs> uh, how... 
That's unbelievable. What what is that record now? Now we got to figure out another record. Yeah, no, actually, I'm I'm just seeing if there's any notable names. I'm listening though. Welcome, welcome to the College Loop uh, Weird Record Special. Uh, we are going to go through the weirdest records in college baseball history. Uh, I I would really love to know who is who is the record for Wagner of Auburn from 1992 to 95 had a career of 998 at bats. What the hell? How how? I he played in 246 games. Did he did he split time? Did he was like he was a leadoff hitter and then he was like the designated hitter like in the had to. Like he was just he was just batting. Like he was just batting. That's all he did. He's like, you know what? Everyone, everyone Powell, else is a runner. Fun fact, I don't know if you knew this or not. I did know this one. John Powell holds the all time um strikeout record, career strikeout record. Six hundred and two. That uh bears in comparison to the guy who took almost one thousand at bats in two hundred games. John Powell's name's everywhere on this. This is unbelievable. Is he not in the Wall of Fame? I don't know. I that, I'm just gonna be transparent. I just don't know. I don't think he is. And he and apparently what also. the hell? What? Last one. We're all softball, probably. Most combined strikeouts in a game. Arkansas and Auburn on May 19th of 1994 played 17 innings and combined for 41 strikeouts. I would gouge my eyes out watching this game. Hey, if you like if you like pitching pitching duels, uh, that is one. <laughs> All right, I'm 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 closing the tab. Tab is closed. I, I, That's unbelievable. Last bit of news before we get out of here. After we've had a weird weird little record tangent that was a lot. What of was fun weird about that was cool. <sighs> I still got to know who hit the most batters. That's got to be a record I got to find now. Well, why uh, did but you let me close that. I could have told you. I already asked about it. I didn't hear you because I was too locked in on the fact that someone almost had a thousand career ABs. Uh, just AP poll news. Uh, I believe I saw a perfect game put Auburn baseball at 14. Underrated. Uh, the, AP, the AP poll also put Auburn basketball, men's basketball, at dropped them up one spot to 14. I was expecting an overrated chat there for a second. Oh, overrated. And, uh, softball's not come out yet, and gymnastics is holding strong at. 12 underrated <laughs> does that make you feel better them that make you work yeah out? all right cool that works since you guys listened to my awkward and not even awkward i'm very proud of that tangent that was an awesome rabbit hole we found we fell down and i'm glad i did it live here on the college League podcast because i i love stats like that especially the ridiculous ones dylan 41 strikeouts in a 17 inning game you and i would actually be banging our our heads on a light pole <laughs> light, light pole light pole light pole <laughs> Like, that's unbelievable. Anyways, I digress. If you guys want to continue to support the show, thank you guys, first off, so much for hanging out with us on this fine Tuesday. Thank you guys for making sure to go out of your way and keep keeping up with the College Loop and the World Report Podcast family for that, that matter. We certainly appreciate your ongoing love and support and your unwavering commitment to giving us a hard time, and we appreciate that. That means, uh, means the world to us. If you want to continue to support the show, make sure you like, subscribe, and ring the bell right here on the YouTube channel. You can give us a comment on feedback on whatever we've just discussed. If you want to find me to find another weird record, I will do it. I just saved the tab. And I'm going to go through this later because I am weird. So I digress. Give us uh, any of your thoughts in, in the comments. Tell us where you think women's basketball is at in terms of being on the bubble, how Auburn men's basketball gets back in the picture, Auburn football, Auburn gymnastics, Auburn softball, the whole nine. Give us your takes, your good ones, your bad ones, and everywhere in between. If you're listening on a streaming platform, make sure you give us five stars, thumbs up, whatever the highest rating is on that streaming platform of choice. And share the show with a friend so we can continue to grow the College Looper family. You guys are the best in the world. There is no question about it. 
Beyond that, if you guys want to support the show, make sure to head over to thewarreport.com, pick up your very own College Loop Report Podcast Network co-branded Feel and Loopy t-shirt. Comes in five different colorways, $25. Link in the description so you don't have to type in the search bar. Once you pick up your shirt, head up to your favorite social media platform. I almost said streaming platform. I guess if you're a streamer and you're on Twitch, wear your shirt. That'd be sick. Definitely tag us in that. That would be awesome. Anyways, I digress. Go over to your social media platform of choice. Tag us in it. Use hashtag feeling loopy. That's hashtag feeling without the G. Hashtag feeling loopy, feeling without the G. I'm Harrison Tar at by Harrison Tar on the Bird app and on Instagram. Come give me your good takes, bad takes everywhere in between. I'm also at Tar underscore 15 on TikTok since apparently I make golf content now. Um, that's something that I've recently discovered that I make. Uh, so if you guys want to come make fun of me, I know how bad I am at golf. And it, I literally say it in my uh, bio that I am really bad at golf. But if you guys want to come follow along with my golf journey and uh, the group of young young gentlemen that I'm kind of working on some golf t- content with right now, would love to have you guys along for the ride. I promise you it's not short of comedy. Uh, we are horrendously bad, and we know it. We own it, and uh, we're just we're just trying. We're working on it, man. We're just trying to get better. Dylan, get us out of here. Did you, did you were you about to say golf tent? Huh? Were you about to say golf tent? No, I said golf content. Oh, I, I was trying to, if you were trying to do like one of those, those like teacher talk and that no, kind of stuff. I was no, like, I, I just, I'm just, I just make golf TikToks. I, I will say the, the one video of him absolutely shanking one to the left. That was, that was worth a couple of watches. Got a new one out today. Uh, it has almost a thousand views already on it. Um, and uh, the light counter is not exactly proportional, but we're getting there. And uh, <laughs> it is of Drew Brandon drilling me in the head with a practice ball. So uh, make sure you go check that one out. It wasn't really a drill. It was more of a, uh, I turn the volume down. You can hear it plink off this low. This is this O and good. You hear it's just too shame. And, um, yeah, it was fun. I cut out the one where you hit me in the eye um, because it wasn't as funny of a reaction uh, as opposed to everyone behind me losing their absolute shit um, when he doinked me in the head because it was dead silent beforehand. I don't know. I feel like I prefer the the one of you cry and getting hit in the eye then I wasn't crying. I just uh, more or less got hit in the eye and then arched over laughing and um, then Drew tried to hit a uh, can of Altoids at us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm Dylan Lark, Boy Tank on Twitter. Also, have me on Instagram as well, Dylan Lark, D-Y-L-A-N-L-A-R-C-K. And, of course, you find me right here on the College Loop, which is like, comment, and subscribe. Uh, leave your thoughts on Auburn football because they are coming – the spring practice days are coming up very, very soon, and we are so happy uh, that it is. And, of course – Auburn baseball, Auburn softball, balling out as well. Uh, Leave your thoughts on all Auburn athletics going on this spring uh, athletic calendar. And, of course, if you are looking to follow us anywhere else, you have us on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, the works, all of those, at The College Loop. And if you're tired of seeing our face, completely understandable. Have us on streaming platforms as well, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and, of course, Amazon Music. And, of course, all that being said, This has been the College Blue Podcast. Love you guys.